Hello and welcome to the LCN Legal Podcast, bringing you expert views and analysis of the legal aspects of transfer pricing compliance. Our focus is always on real-world, practical insights that you can apply in your everyday work. In this episode, we have an interview for you. Paul Sutton talks to Akshay Kenkre, a transfer pricing and cross-border specialist based in Mumbai. In an interesting and wide-ranging discussion, Akshay talks about some important differences between Indian regulations and those in countries that are full members of the OECD, and several recent developments that we should be aware of. If you'd like to find out more about Akshay, you can find him on LinkedIn or via his company's website, transprice.in. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy the discussion. Welcome, Akshay, and thank you very much again for joining us on, on this podcast. Um, I'd like to kick in with the first question, which is about the tax authorities in India. As you know, they do have a reputation for being aggressive, especially when it comes to transfer pricing. So I'd be really interested to hear from you as to your experiences over the last 12 months, maybe looking ahead over the next 12 months as, as well. How do you see the TP audit environment in India as compared to other countries? So, Paul, I may have to just go back a little bit in time because the principle that I'm going to tell you is about the law of karma. Mm -hmm. So if I talk about the 1990s, in fact, 1991, to be very specific, when India opened up, uh, FDI flew in. There were so many multinational companies that started setting up shops here. Transfer pricing was absent at that point of time. So transfer pricing was only introduced in 2001-2002, formally started from 2002. And uh, for the first 10 years, uh, there were a lot of tax avoidance schemes that were run, right? And when transfer pricing was fully established uh, and the tax authorities started auditing it, they found all type of loopholes. Uh, and they saw the tax avoidance happening. So when you see something happening, uh, which, is, which is like a theft, then you start becoming aggressive. You start putting in more rules, right? And that was the... I would say initiation of the tax authorities being aggressive. And then there were a whole lot of innovation in the aggression. So you saw the Vodafone case, one, two, three, uh, so many others where there were paper demands, but it all started with the multinationals starting with tax avoidances in India. But things have settled down. Okay. After 2000, I think 15, 16, there has been a uh, certain change in the regulations, uh, certain certain notifications brought out. Uh, there were certain rights of taxpayers, which was which were which were published. Uh, all those aspects, right? The taxpayers charter, as we call it. Uh, once those were done, uh, the tax authorities have become, I think, more assertive. And it's just not because nothing has changed. Things have changed at the ground level too. Uh, multinationals uh, nowadays they they don't want to do tax avoidance. Uh, the, the, the tax rates in India are also very competitive. Gone are the days when it was 35% taxes. Now it is at the, at the level 22% plus plus goes up to 25. And say for manufacturing, we have 15%, right? So every multinational likes to pay tax if it is at certain level. And if there are regulations around it, they don't just mind paying taxes and getting done with it. So. The tax authorities have become assertive. They have started to listen to the taxpayers' uh, personal experiences. A uh, lot of discussions happen when we go to the tax authorities uh, on the business side. Uh, earlier, it was only issue-based, but now they want to understand business. Mm -hmm. They appreciate the contribution of businessman and taxpayer 
uh, to the indian economy right uh, earlier it was it was not the case right because india comes from that colonial era where the earlier seats were filled by the indian administration uh, they are today also but it's all assertiveness right litigation is there today sir uh, today also but the degree has come down uh, the number of cases that were getting filed at the tribunal they have reduced but there is litigation there is quality litigation and we just don't get paper demands uh, just to fill up the files so the aggressiveness has shifted to assertiveness as compared to other countries it's still aggressive things are still stringent but these are these are these are i would say quality issues that we are talking about Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you about karma. You know, we, we see the same thing in, in UK and, and elsewhere. And uh, from my experience previously working in, in the big four firm, <laughs> there was a culture of just out and out. It was like a game, wasn't it? You go to council, you, you try to create a, a structure, see if you can get a double deduction. And that was just part of the game. And I think it's a natural result that BEPS and, and, and so on happened. Um, one more it thing. is really interesting. Yeah. One more thing that has changed uh, all is all about digitalization. I'm sorry to cut you short, but I think this was a necessary extension uh, that the digital infrastructure in India has also been attached to taxes. So the one phase of income taxes runs on a faceless basis, which means a notice comes in. Uh, we don't know who has sent it. It's all it's all uh, electronically. Uh, it's sent by the income tax officer from which company, which sort sort of which 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 part of the country we don't know, uh, but we need to answer to that. And everything happens via digital mode. So that's a faceless side. As far as the transfer pricing is concerned, that's also an electronic mode. But because TP is all about businesses, sometimes representations are necessary. But the digital infrastructure mm-hmm. is so developed uh, that there is no more a need for the tax officer to either visit the taxpayer or the other way around. Yeah. And do, do, you, do you see that as positive or, or, or negative in, in terms of that progression from aggressive to assertive? Do you see that as helpful or, or, or not helpful? I think uh, plus and minuses on both the sides, but the plus overweighs the minuses. Uh, most importantly, mm-hmm. because it saves time at both the end. Uh, what Essentially, what it means is it, it's all about the documentation. It's how you write. It's what proof you are able to put on the electronic means. Third, what is the ease and the simplicity in which you are documenting it? Because if you are going to make, uh, so let's talk of talk of legal agreements, right? This intercorporate agreements. If they are going to be tough, mm-hmm. if they are going to be talking the legal language, the tax authorities may not understand it. So although you may have the documentation, that might go against you. It's all about simplicity. It's all about practicality. It's all about covering all the points. So if you have all all of those right then it's definitely a positive yeah and obviously definitely agree with you about about agreements and keeping them simple getting to the point commercially okay so if i can maybe move on um i I believe that uh, india just passed its annual union budget uh so really interested to hear were there any particular developments from a tp perspective that that people need to know about Uh, this budget was more of a growth budget uh heavy expenditures planned on the capital side, uh, which means the country is pushing in the expenditure and it's very uh, confident about the income that it will generate. Uh, sometimes not doing any amendment, uh, heavy amendments is also a good sign, right? Because that means you are very confident about the law. 
that is already there with you. Uh, there were significant amendments on the income tax side, uh, but nothing which is which which will which will uh, give rise to a litigation or kill a litigation. On the TP side, uh, the the importance of documentation has gone up, or the real time documentation has gone up, because earlier there was a regulation which said that uh, after a notice is raised, there is a compulsory 30-day period that you should give the taxpayer to respond. That 30-day period has gone down to 10 days now. Wow. Yeah, which means if I raise a notice on, say, Monday, then it is the 10th day or, say, Wednesday, I need to respond to it. And on a special request, a tax authority can increase that 10 days to 30 days. So earlier it was all about you add 30 days, then you add certain more days, and there were days where there was no response being given to the tax authorities. And with the passage of time, you know, we are all human. Sometimes we forget what we have done 30 days back. So that's not effective. Mm -hmm. So with the reduction to 10 days, uh, hopefully the assessments and the audits will become very effective from a TP perspective. But on the taxpayer side, it also means that they need to keep all the documentations ready. They cannot wait for the notice to come and then start preparing documentations or maybe start amending the documents. So this is a very crucial, yeah. very cru a very small, a very tiny, small, but a very crucial change on the transferizing side, uh, which I think is, which I think uh, uh, the taxpayer should really, or businesses should really consider very seriously and maintain uh, top-notch and up-to-date uh, documentation. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, 10 days sounds incredibly tight. As you say, you know, it's, it, it basically only gives enough time to collect and pass on the information and not to adjust or yeah. create it clearly not. But that, yeah. that, that okay. means that we need to be ready, right? That means that at all levels. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, and just talking about TP documentation in India. So from a high level perspective, what would you say is different about um, TP documentation and the requirements in India as compared to other countries? Uh, Every country has its unique transfer pricing documentation, Paul. Uh, I'm sure, but some of them are very influenced or maybe they have just reflected what the OECD needs to say. India is not a member country of OECD. It is. It is. It has an observer nation status, uh, which means any OECD guidance has a persuasive value in India, uh, but you cannot borrow everything that OECD has said and adopt that on the Indian side. Uh, which means there is a specific TP documentation regulation which you need to follow. So this is the first difference that it's not OECD oriented. Uh, it has its own regulation, uh, which may have where OECD may have certain persuasive value. Okay, the differences are many. Maybe I would just like to point out few important differences uh, just to start with. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the most important would be that Indian documentation is an every year affair. So mm -hmm. uh, I've seen mainly from a U.S. perspective where they say uh, you can do benchmarking once in three years. And most of the U.S. companies carry this particular notion of, about India also. And that's not true. So you need to maintain documentation every year because there is no provision in the law which says that you need to maintain benchmarks and documentation once in three years. And then check check after three years about your function and analysis and all the economic analysis and all those stuff. So which means every year you need to do those 
uh, analysis to see whether you are at arm's length or not. Second difference is each year's documentation is audited by a chartered accountant. And mm -hmm. he needs to certify in a form called as Form 3CEB after undertaking a transfer pricing audit that the transactions are at arm's length. So India follows two-level audit approach. One is by a chartered accountant and second by the tax authorities, which means mm -hmm. the taxpayer needs to be much more uh, prepared, be prepared per, on a per-year basis because without that documentation and without that audit report, a, ta a taxpayer is not able to file his return of income. Right? I see. So, so, so that's that, <coughs> excuse me, so that, that first stage accountants audit report what, what what does that look like does does that mean in terms of your practice actually is is that something that you just have to build into every client that you look after that you're pr producing that report or, or does it need to operate in a different way so like you have a statutory audit but there is an audit guidance on the transfer pricing side on how a chartered accountant should be auditing a company for transfer prices so there is an audit report and there is a transactional report which is on the summary side which is again uploaded electronically, based on which the tax authorities run risk parameters. And that's how the cases are selected for scrutiny. So mm -hmm. it's just not that we are auditing it and then it, it's uploaded and it's forgotten. The tax authorities do work on that and it's transactional report. So it does not give you a whole lot of details what is there in the TP documentation. Your TP documentation is still separate. But your form 3CEB is a form. It's an electronic form that we need to fill. Digitally sign it, stating that as a chartered accountant, we have audited this particular taxpayer for its international transactions. And we feel that the transactions are at arm's length because of XYZ reasons. I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. And any, any other high-level differences that you would highlight yeah, from yeah, yeah. I think I, I think in terms of India? One more important aspect for our global audiences that India accepts only Indian comparable data. It does not accept uh, region-wise comparability. Yes, if you have a tested party which is outside India and you're testing that company, then you can use a foreign tested party. But if you have the tested party which is an Indian company, then you cannot basically be uh, looking at a comparable data outside of India which I have seen as a mistake happening at, at, at various levels, which is, which is they manage from say South Korea or Japan or UK or US, they generally try to look at the region wide comparability, which is absolutely not acceptable. Right? I see. Talking about comparability, I think the next change would be a narrower range. The OECD says interquartile range. India follows mm -hmm. a 35th to 65th percentile. So they cut 10, 10 points or percentile on each side. So the range is narrower. I see. The concept is similar. I see. Right. And I, see. I think recently we had an electronic discussion about the intercorporate agreements. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, in India, an intercorporate agreement is could be verbal or oral or written. Right. Both are accepted. There is a concept of substance or form. We always say it has to be written so that you can uh, showcase in the court of law. But if you have, say, certain things which is agreed on a piece of paper and that's emailed, that's also considered as an agreement. So, mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, so that's another thing. So uh, intercorporate agreements are important. 
but they may or may not be in the form of how generally we understand it to be. But they should definitely have those FAR aspects covered and it's different. But the point that I want to drive here is more substance over legal. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that that's that's um, in essence, it's similar to the OECD TP guidelines. You know, the starting point is looking at the agreements, but obviously if the substance of the operations, if the capacity to assume risk and so on um, is not correctly reflected in the agreements, then the agreements are going to be disregarded. So, so we're, we're really looking at what is the most practical way of creating the evidential trail to back up the TP policies. I, I, I assume that that's, uh, that, that's that's sort of general principle that applies universally. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, I think... Great. Well, it's, so it's, it's, it sounds like there are pretty fundamental differences <laughs> between TP in India or documentation in India com compared to other countries. What, one, one question I have, which is not about documentation as such, but just about markup. You know, the classic thing that that you 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 know is is that in terms of cost plus markups, it will be the rest of the world will be like five or six percent for routine, and in India it's what twelve, fifteen, or or something like like that. So a, a big discrepancy between the standards accepted markups. Do you see that as changing? Do you see that that is something that is basically built into the culture of of Indian transfer pricing, or is do do you see that as something that well there'll, there'll be a tendency to converge those those rates over time? So Paul, uh, somewhere I don't see cost plus five as standard, the or maybe five or seven. The reason is that plus percentage, right? That's dependent on the type of markups the comparable companies make in that particular jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at India, yeah. India is one of the top emerging economies. And uh, there are opportunities here available. And for similar services, let's talk of services to start with. Uh, the comparable data are making higher markups. And India, they don't right. allow regional benchmarks. And that's the reason. Because if you want to do business in India, you will not do it for 5 or 6%. I might as well invest mm -hmm. my money into, say, a fixed deposit, I will get 7% return. Or if I put it into my equity markets, I will get 10, 11% returns. Right? So if I want to start a business, of course, it has to be above that. And possibly because of a little bit higher inflation, different economics, my markup as such goes up. Right? But that doesn't make India an unpopular economy for the West. The reason is if you... If you look at the formula, it's cost plus, let's say 20% versus a cost plus mm -hmm. 5%. The percentage is on the cost. Now, if you compare a cost of on, on the European side, which could be on the higher side, a 5% in absolute terms could be much heavier than the 20% if you compare on the actual terms in India. So the cost builds and makes a big factor there. And that's why, because mm -hmm. the Indian costs are more competitive as compared to the West, even if you look at a cost plus 15 or 20%, it's still beneficial for some of the foreign jurisdictions to have their operations here or a back office operations here being on a cost plus basis. Yeah. So it's different economics. Yeah, I, I guess that makes. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And it goes back to your point about TP authorities or tax authorities in India only accepting Indian comparables and not regional because. Um, it is a distinct market, and and it's it's it has its own uh, characteristics. Okay, that, that's really helpful to clarify that that for me. Um, so looking ahead, 
in in terms of what multinational groups need to know about or specific challenges, things they might need to change or do differently going forward, you've all already mentioned one very important thing, which is that ten day window to respond to uh, to to notifications or requests for for information. Obviously, that that is a major difference. Um, and anything else that multinationals need to be aware of. So I think uh, uh, if a multinational is looking at India as sort of market or or maybe as setting up their back offices, uh, they should understand that India is a separate country and it's separate economics, right? So from a TP perspective, any type of modeling that needs to be undertaken, they may not be right if they mirror what they already have uh, in their country. So it's important, first of all, to take uh, local assistance or have that local knowledge of how transfer prices are looked into the country, right? And uh, that local expertise is very important when you're talking of transfer pricing in India. So that's possibly point number one after what you said. Uh, second one is on penalties. Uh, Indian uh, TP documentation timelines, the way how it should be, they're quite stringent. So if you are missing onto any part, there are heavy penalties. It, it goes up to like 4% of your international tax uh, transaction. So 2% on non-maintenance, 2% on non-furnishing. So which could mm-hmm. become heavy if you are if you have, I say, 1 billion as, as an international transaction, right? So that becomes quite significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be the second point to look at what could be the other ones. It's, it's again, as I said, every year you need to do a benchmark. Right. So, yeah. and again, documentation is essential because you are looking at the digital side of representing. So, if your documentation is going to be complex, uh, and if it's not been understood by by persons reading it, then that's a failed documentation being made. So, these are things mm-hmm. you should consider while you are looking at India as uh, from a from a transpricing point of view. And uh, I think it's become a very matured economy for TP. Uh, 21 years of existence of TP now in India. Uh, learned a lot in this phase. Uh, highly yeah. litigious to more of an assertive. So, so we have set a good example, I think. Great, Great stuff. Yeah, and and I actually, just wanted to go back to your uh, the 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 point we were discussing before about the independent chartered accountants reports. So, um. What's what's your view? Is is this widely under, understood in terms of multinationals, or or do you see a, a lack of awareness in in that requirement? Um, and and is there a particular threshold that um, that is required before that that requirement kicks in? So for the audit report, uh, I don't see there is lack of uh, awareness about the audit report. The lack mm-hmm. of awareness is more on the documentation side. Right. The reason yeah. is when you are talking and when you say when you when you come to India and when you start talking about compliances, it, it's it's one part of compliance. So I'm sure your statutory auditor, your accountant, who is a local person, will definitely know this and they will say that this needs to be done. But what they don't know is the positions that they need to take for this to be undertaken. Or the three C B or audit report is an outcome after you do the documentation. So, so right. that awareness, that bridging between the documentation and the 3CV, that's lacking. And sometimes you might make mm-hmm. or take wrong positions in this audit report because this documentation is not very strong or maybe is not understood. So companies mm-hmm. might take wrong positions in the audit report. Like instead of a cup method, they might just put transactional net margin method. 
because the 3CB or the TP report or audit report, say intercorporate agreement is also one of the documentation which is important by the auditor to be seen and scanned. If you don't know that, and if you haven't seen it, you will not be able to come to a conclusion of what methods to use or what is the mm-hmm. allocation of risk between two associated enterprises. So it needs a thorough understanding for implementation. Uh, I don't see a, a lack of awareness as such. Everybody knows that CCB needs to be undertaken. Yeah, okay. But but the, the, the points that you've gone through before about how fundamentally TP is different in India compared to other countries. I mean, that that's, that's certainly so foundational. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, actually, I've certainly learned a lot. Of, it's been a pleasure having thank you, you on. Final question is, um, how can people reach you if they need help with their Indian TP arrangements? Uh, I think I think what, what, what we can do is I, I can just mention the email ID that they can write us to. It's info and fo at the rate transprise.in. Uh, any type of clarifications, uh, uh, that can be mailed over there. And we have all our experts sitting in our office. So if the mail receives us, be surely there will be a response to it. And uh, if somebody wants to reach us through phone, uh, the details are available on our website, which is uh, www.transprise.in. That's an easier way to reach out to us. Fabulous. Great. Well, thank you again and look forward to having you on the show again yeah, thank you paul uh, thanks a lot for this invite and uh, it was a pleasure discussing all these issues with you yeah thank you thank, thank you. you thanks for listening to the lcn legal podcast we'd love to hear what you think you'll find the contact details on our website lcnlegal.com And you'll also find more information about the issues discussed in this episode and much else besides. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Go to your podcast provider and search for the LCN Legal Podcast. Until next time, goodbye.